Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. For our longtime listeners, you know that Jew in the City, our mission is to break down stereotypes about the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, our mission expanded over years of existing to not just break down these stereotypes for the, the secular Jewish community and non-Jews, but we found that there are even people who have been raised religious, who have had stereotypes about the Orthodox community, what can be allowed within the bounds of halacha, what different opinions include. And so our work has expanded into Project Makom, which includes people that were not happy in the Orthodox community they grew up in and were looking for a change in community. And, you know, really our goal is to show that there is beauty and meaning and positivity in the Torah observant lifestyle that you need not uh, remove yourself from the world, that you can be engaged and enjoy God's world and live a meaningful life. And one of the ways that we help get this message out there, because there's really only so much that little old me can say, one of the ways that we get this out there is by telling other people's stories. And one of our um, sort of leading programs that we've done, and we're in our fifth year running, is the Orthodox Jewish All-Stars. Um, now, this started first with a video, because there's just this very big misunderstanding that's very widespread. Um, people really see halacha as something that limits you, and so... From based on these two ideas of people being so confused about the limits of working for Orthodox men and women, we wanted to make a video of people working. And we figured once we're going to make a video, we shouldn't just make a video of anyone working. We should make a video of people who have achieved some of the highest levels in their professional fields. And it started by uh, meeting Senator Joe Lieberman at an event. Um, who um, I a little bit ambushed on his way to the elevator, um, but he, thank God, did agree to be in our video. And then we reached out to the Maccabees and Faye Kellerman and Tamir Goodman, and we started putting together this really stellar all-star ca all cast for our video. And we were trying to fill up it a little bit more. And then there was the song that was playing on the radio. It was the Microsoft theme song back in 2012 called Too Close. It was playing and constantly it was addictive it was just so much fun to listen to and i heard that the guy that was singing it was a hasidic jew and people said you got to get this guy in your video so he wasn't so easy to reach this guy alex claire but um i am <laughs> let's see persistent maybe alex is laughing now um and anyway we we really pulled the video together like i mean like two days before we had to release it or something crazy like that we didn't even know he was going to be in it but I literally contacted every Lubavitcher I knew and their shaliach because uh, he is a uh, was a Chabad, um, and so we we caught him. We finally uh, met him at a concert in Philadelphia. We filmed the video backstage. He invited us to stay for a concert, which was super cool. We had a great time. I didn't even do concerts like in my pre-religious days. I did one. I won a, a, um, a Green Day concert on Z100. That was really it. I, I lived kind of a boring childhood. That's why I became an Orthodox Jew. No, just joking. Um, anyway, so I had a, a great time and a great night, and he opened up our video. If you haven't guessed now, his name is Alex Clare. He is with us today. And Alex, thank you so much for, for joining and, and talking to me again after I ambushed you. It's not a pleasure. How are you doing? Good to hear your yes, voice again. Doing well. And, um, you know, that video now has, I mean, over 100,000 views. And really, that launched, you know, sort of um, this new, you know, set of programming where every year we're naming, you know, new all-stars and showing new examples. And I don't know if you've heard, but we've heard from people both religious and secular, whose lives have been changed completely. And so we really appreciate you giving us that time and you you sharing your story with us today. And, um, and you know, what I said before about 
people on both sides of the sort of the spectrum not knowing what's possible to do, you know, in the bounds of halacha. I think your music career being, a, you know, a, yep. bill, a top 10 uh, billboard recording artist really just sort of uh, shows people how far things can go. But let's go let's go backwards a little bit um, before we talk about where you are right now with a new album that uh, you released recently. Um so if you could sort of, uh, you know, go to the past, where were you uh, before this all began Jewishly? What what was the Jewish upbringing like? I know you grew up in uh, in the in Great Britain. Totally, 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 yeah. totally secular. Totally secular. Really. And, and did, you, <laughs> um, did, you, did you interact with the Orthodox at all? Meaning, like, I was also quite secular, sure, but like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I had, I had, I had some who were definitely more traditional. And um, you know, in England, there's no the idea. There's no real like reform movement and progressive movement. There's really only orthodoxy. But like most Jewish people who are traditional, um, usually tied in more with orthodoxy than with any other movement. Um, so my exposure was mostly mostly orthodox. Although myself very secular, but that was still interesting, sure. But like major Jewish holidays, at least like matzah on Passover, or like nothing at all. Um, I, I, not really, no, not really. Mm. I mean, I would in my teens, I started getting much more involved in, you know, meeting my friends who were uh, showing the Shabbos or would um, mark the Chagim on the holidays. Um, mm. but growing up, no, not really, nothing. And did you have very, enough, very like, m- my exposure to the Orthodox community was sort of just enough to dislike them, so I didn't ever speak to them personally, but I would see them on the <laughs> street sometimes, or, or, you know, like, read about them in the news, or see, like, the caricatures in, you know, TV and movies, so I sort of was aware about sure. it. Did I, so did you have any awareness of sort of, like, I'm I'm always very fascinated, <clears throat> very fascinated by Hasidim and like Haredim and like that. It was very, very interesting. Culturally, it always felt uh, not included per se with that until much later. Um, <clears throat> but yes, certainly, you know, you see the same the stereotypes and the generalizations and the sort of when people are very culturally Jewish, they sort of, uh, this is the connection to, to, to Judaism is the sort of the, the stereotype and the generalization of corny jokes and even corny food. Um, so when, until uh, you get real exposure to authentic meanings of Judaism, that's kind of the super um, mask that anyone's ever sees, I think. Um, certainly in my case, yes, you know, you have the, the cultural connection, but until you understand the depth of what Judaism has to offer, it's only able to sort of stay in this very superficial cultural and so, in, so in your che- teens, that changed. So you started hanging out with your friends that were Shomer Shabbos that you just knew from your community or from your school. How did you even get to like connect with people that were more observant? Um, just hanging out, you know, on the streets. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. Just talking to my friends, you know. Uh, like I said, there is no, you know, people are very small in England. Um, so at least there's that like connection, and you always have have you know I had friends growing up right in school. I mean, I didn't go to your school, and I didn't grow up in a particularly religious. Um, but I always had you know my my father spent most of his life in North West London, and um, you know most of my our friends growing up were a lot more a lot more traditional. So, yeah, and so when so you're hanging out the with them more, was there a certain point that you said I'm gonna I'm going to dive right into this Jewish stuff, or did it happen more slowly? Yeah, so it, it was 
was very gradual, but it was also there were a few big sort of uh, key moments. Um, I love Hebrew, and I love learning. You know, I love Tanakh. I really find it absolutely fascinating. Anyways, um, just on a, on, a, on a sort of level of the and like stuff, and I wanted to sort of learn more about that. And also, I like love Shabbos. Mm-hmm. I have a really strong connection, good connection to Shabbat. And, you know, for me, that was one of the big catalysts is that I really saw that with my more religious friends in my early 20s, I became really serious in Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of at that stage when there were a few big life-changing moments in my life in terms of career, in terms of you know, my social environment that I was in, and I needed more, I needed more sincerity and more depth and more warmth and more love and more, you know, um, meaning. And one afternoon I walked into a Hasidic synagogue uh, <laughs> looking for more in Stanford Hill, which is kind of like the Williamsburg of London. Mm-hmm. And I met a Hasidic family, and that was that, really. And how old were you at the time? I was 21. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's sort of the Jewish journey, starting in the teens, getting connected with a Hasidic family. They welcomed you in. Where does the musical journey come into this? When did you discover your love and passion for music? Well, I think my first inclusion was when I was seven, which was a trumpet. And then I progressed to drums when I was 11. And then as a drummer, I lived in a really boring part of London. And like most of my friends, either um, played music or did nothing. Um, useful. So music seemed like a good option. I, you know, I loved playing drums and bands. Then in my late teens, I started playing with a band called The Shots, who um, weren't particularly good. They were terrible, but we were like young and um, you know, full of energy. So we created a bit of a buzz around ourselves. And the band sells the pieces, but it's a drama. Um, I was in the right place at the right time, and they got offered a job working for a small publishing company. And then after working for that small publishing company as like a songwriter, they gave me like a development deal, and then that led on to a, a deal a few years later after playing almost every single night of the week, um, a deal with Island Records when I was 24, um, a few years later. And um, by the time I turned up with Island Records, um, I'd already been working with like more established UK artists like um, Plan B on the streets, you probably won't know, but they were pretty big in the UK a few years ago. And from there, I got offered a record with Island Records, and then Island Records, 2009, I think I signed with them. And then mm-hmm. 2009, 2010, I was in, in America recording my debut album. Mm-hmm. And so so you're kind of doing the from thing and the music thing at the same time by the time you get into your early 20s. Yeah, sure. When I signed my, when I signed my first major record deal, I was also Shema Shabbos, Shema Shabbat. And so sure. did, was that a concern? Like, is that, you know, I know for people, and I don't call your job less typical, but um, as my husband said, like, you know, everyone's supposed to be a doctor, lawyer, businessman. He didn't want to be now. He's a lawyer. Um, but, you know, for sort of more of those typical office jobs, there's the question, do you wear your kippah in the interview? Like, at what point do you, you know, tell them about the Shabbos thing? How does that work with a major label in terms of, I'm sure they have expectations. Yeah, it was very complicated. It was very complicated. And my first record deal, I didn't work out so well um, mm-hmm. because there were obviously a lot of commitments in mm-hmm. terms of Jewish folks. Um, the big clash with a lot of promotional opportunities. I had to turn down a tour with Adele um, in 2011. Um, 
because it was a bit of a Pesach. And then I had to go down a, 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 you know, a whole bunch of shows around Sukkot that year. However, shortly after that Sukkot, um, I had my first major break. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of perseverance and, you know, speaking out. And eventually, when the opportunities arise, you have to seize them. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I never, like, I lost an opportunity because of Shabbat. I feel like I gained so many, um, you know, I get so much out of it, especially when I'm on the road. It's uh, the biggest bit of, bit, of, bit of respite, both spiritually and physically. Um, but no, it was, it was definitely tough, and it definitely had its big challenges in the early days. Um, because, it's you know, the music industry's main night of the week is Friday night, and for a Jewish person, the main night of the week is also Friday night. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it definitely had challenges, but mm-hmm. thank God it all worked out amazingly in the end. What about... Um, from the Frim community. Totally worthwhile. Totally worthwhile. And you know, we say on Kabbalah Shabbat, so Shabbat Shabbat here no kol bracha. You know, we say Shabbat is the the source of all blessing. Like everything that good that comes about in our life comes around really because of Shabbat's observance. And when you when you understand and you understand the depth and meaning of Shabbat, no matter what opportunities come your way, you understand that that time to connect on a Friday is so much more important. Um, you know, it's, I think it's very hard for a lot of people to understand. Um, it's such a big opportunity every time Friday night comes up, and that that opportunity will far outweigh any other challenge or the test that you may have because of you know opportunity that may seem missed. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and in terms of the how the from community reacted. Like at what point did people realize, hey, this is one of our <laughs> own that's, you know, kind of out there? And uh, did, this, did you kind of, I guess, like too close in 2012? That was like your, your big deal. Actually, maybe let's back up for a second. Tell us how that came about. Microsoft just calls you one day and says, hi, we want to use your song for our commercial. Oh, yeah. It everywhere. You, you know, uh, we believe in Hitchcock Apocalypse. You know, Hitchcock is divine providence. Sure. And um, it just happened that, like, one guy in America... Saw my album. He liked UK music. He had a friend called Keith who ran a advertising company, a media company in America, and he was commissioned to make an ad campaign for Microsoft. And he liked. He basically was walking around his friend's house while my music was playing on a CD. And um, yeah, he called me up, and he sent me an email first, and after after using, and of course, I said yes. Not expecting quite um quite. The, how big the repercussions would be from that conversation, and how uh, you know how life um, that song would really be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was it was massive. They just they asked to use it in that campaign that gone for a few weeks at first, and mm-hmm. then they extended it through the course of the campaign. And as a result, my song was played on every single t- uh, commercial TV station in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was getting millions and millions of shazams. Shazam is an app that you can use to uh, to listen to a song that you don't necessarily recognize and it will tell you what it is and give mm. you an option to buy it off iTunes or Google Play or other, other you know, um, music apps. Mm. And basically, millions of people started, like, downloading and buying my music from hearing it on this advert and then it got obviously synced to radio and all the radio stations, radio stations started playing it. Cookie went to the top of the airplay charts in the US. Um... It was constantly on the radio. And then obviously in Europe and uh, Russia and everywhere else, it was, you know, it was massive. So really, really low. 
And um, so how I subsequently went on like a world tour for like two years after that. You know, I, the Maccabees were also in that video and they had, you know, sort of a, a meteoric rise to fame. But I think yours was even bigger, you know, since every uh, TV station was playing all over the world. So how do you deal with that kind of, um, I guess, notoriety of not being so known? Maybe did you let me ask you a question. Did you dream of being famous when you wanted to be a musician and when you were younger? Or was the dream to I make mean, music? I'm, I'm not, no, not really. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's, it looked like it would be fun, you know, like touring around the world and that. Uh, Playing on tour buses and playing live shows, and it is a lot of fun. It's the best job in the world. It really is so rewarding. You know, you get to create everything that comes into your head. You get to analyze and you know put down, you know, into a you know on, onto paper, onto tape, or onto a computer, whatever. You get to create music for everything. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge privilege, and it's um it's fantastic. However, you know, with the sort of musician's lifestyle, um. It's tricky, you know, my married and have kids, Baruch Hashem. Yeah. And um, there are challenges, you know, when you're on the road, you have to go away from home for three, four weeks at a time. Um, so definitely challenges. And in terms of, you know, Judaism really tries to cultivate and nurture a sense of humility and a sense of purpose and an understanding that whatever we do is really a means of serving Hashem or a means of imitating with Hashem when we can and, you know, whatever happens to us is Hashem's way of interfacing and reacting to how we respond to the world. And when you have that in mind, um, it's very humbling. Mm-hmm. And you understand that whatever blessings we have, whatever good we have, ultimately come from Him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 there's, there's no time to really get too big for your boots if you're uh, a religious Jew. Um, believe it or not, there's uh, many, many humbling mentally humbling experience, especially if you have success, because once you acknowledge the fruit of that, um, yeah, it's very meaningful. It was, did you have the sort of thing where people that you hadn't heard of from like a million years, like came out to find you once your your song was playing everywhere? Or? Sure, yeah, that, 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 definitely, um, that definitely happened. There are people that drop and they want to share their enthusiasm and they're fact, you know, they're so happy that, um, Everything's working out. Um, and what if- yeah, definitely. I mean, but indeed, like you were saying, if you have a midday, if you have a personality trait or something that interests you, you have a passion for, then if you don't use that in a, in a creative way, um, then it's a waste. It's a waste of, you know, natural ability that you give me. Um, what about the from community? Did you, well, so once you kind of made it out there, like when, when did people even get wind that this was an Orthodox Jew behind the song that was playing on the radio constantly? Do you remember like when that sort of got out? Was there an official story where you, you came out with the, the news? So, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I obviously live in an Orthodox community and yeah, it was quite hilarious. It, 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 you know, you reach some level of mobilizing success when um, I had a, a, a gay hostage <laughs> a very, very strict religious group come up to me and acknowledge that he uh, had heard my music. It was mm. very strange. Um, um, and, you know, there's a lot of support and a lot of love from the Orthodox community. Um, and, you know, surprise. And uh, they were very pleased. Very, very pleased. Mm. And, you know, I, I live in Yerushalayim now. I live in Jerusalem. But um, so I have a bit more anonymity here. But in London, my hometown, you know, people uh, always acknowledge and, you know, I have, like, some kids come up to me and sort of, you know, 
crack a joke like Alex, I'm too close to you right now. Yeah. Um, he's cute. Um, so yeah. That, yeah, that's I mean, the new normal. People assume and that there would be... Hello? Oh yeah, what were you saying? Hello? People, uh, people assume there would be some kind of aversion or, you know, negative reaction, but no, quite on the contrary. Um, if someone is, you know, orthodox and consistent with the orthodoxy, then, you know, and realize, and if people realize that there's no real major compromise, you know, religious observance, then people are very supported. Um, I think people have worries um, for, you know, the image of the orthodox community or for the actions of individuals. Um, yeah, they're going to be very good. So now tell us about, we're coming to the, our last few minutes here now, um, and we're going to hear some of the music. You have a new album out, Tale of Lions. Sure. So this is this is a bit of a different Tale direction that you've gone. Yeah. So what inspired it? Yeah, Tale and of what Lions does it sound is like? Yeah. So yeah, we were talking earlier about, you know, like, people need to feel like they've made it or to feel that there's some big one coming out of the celebrity status. I was seeing in the music industry, I mean, you know, the, the the world of media in general that people have like obsession with notoriety without putting a focus on ability. <clears throat> um, and there's people are famous for absolutely no real reason other than, you know, for being caught doing things that they shouldn't be. Um, with that in mind, there's a in part of the Ethics of the Fathers, the quote quote from Ethics of the Fathers is that it's better to be the tail to a lion than a head to a fox. Um, which is something that always very true to, with me, you know. Better to be the, uh, better to be on some of these, behind some of these truly great supporting them. Mm. Um, and, you know, getting to a higher level than being at the head of a bunch of foxes. So, yeah, with that in mind, I, you know, looking at the world around me, looking at, you know, the way my, after the years of marriage, how my relationship changed with my wife. Um, you know, it becomes much more serious and much more focused on making a relationship work and building a family properly, which is, you know, it takes great effort. People think that these things are simple and, you know, when someone gets married, it's like, uh, it's all, you know, bells and blazes and lovely things, but it becomes hard work and there's, there are challenges that have to be met and realized to make a marriage successful. Um, with that, with the focus on <coughs> the world at large around us, you know, the big, political changes that have happened in the last couple of years. Um, regards here in my home country, Britain, comes from big seismic shifts in its, you know, in its um, ideological focuses. And from being a very liberal, um, inclusive European country, it's become a very isolated and a little bit more right-wing um, country, which is very scary for a person like me. Um, so at least in the mind, I created this album called The Tower of Lines, um, which is a very proud of uh, yeah. And um, we're gonna um, we're gonna close out with uh, with one of your songs in a second, but I guess just some closing parting words for our listeners. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. For either the secular musician that feels the spark that wants to grow in their observance, or for the musical observant kid that um, wants to go further in their musical career, any parting wow. words of advice about? trying to balance these two worlds that might not be that easy to balance? You know, like life is all about balance and finding a middle path where everything is really, really well balanced. Now, 
when they become religiously observant or if they become <coughs> focused on their career or a path that you know, they, they hope to be successful, it tends to become all-encompassing and the complete and direct focus. And that's a very important and very special thing. However, it's very easy to uh, lose sight of the other plates that are, you know, that we spin in life. Um, so to those who are looking to become more religiously observant, I'd say take it easy, take it slow. Um, there's no rush. Because if you want to connect and if you're keen with your enthusiasm to grow in religious observance, then, you know, make sure you have the right mentors and the right positive influences around you. And for kids who come from a more religiously observant background and want to really get into music, I would say that, you know, Holocaust God, you have the ability to pursue it, but there will be opportunities for, um, you know, seeing a God is by who's help and, 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 and blessing, but those opportunities haven't come in the biggest challenges. Um, so to take all those challenges with Simcha and with joy and with happiness. And, um, yeah, just do, do everything with a full and happy heart. It's the most important thing. If something doesn't feel right, so it's really, you know, poking your emotions in a negative way, then it probably isn't right. And, uh, you know, Amazing. Okay, so where can our listeners buy Tale of Lions? So it's on iTunes now, um, and it's on Google Play and Amazon and all these places. Um, yeah, I think it's that in the US on the 20th of January. And we're going to uh, close out now with one of your songs, so I will say my goodbye now. Tell us which song we're going to close out with. Um, you'll be fine excellent all right well thank you so much for uh, joining us today and thank you so much for listening okay on tale of lions with alice claire there's no despair in the world at all but wise man Hard to take when you lost it all. Get it all back someday. What you hide and fall. What you find and fall. Are you scared now?
Oh